words are right here. Uh, these ancient words have the power to change our lives. If we'll allow it, he'll speak to us right out of his word. This series is going to take us right up to Easter, and in fact, the Easter story is found right here in the book of Ruth. I want to welcome those who've joined us by way of the internet. Thank you for being part of this sermon series. We're grateful that you're listening and that you're studying God's Word with us. You should be able to download the listening guide and follow right along with us as we study God's Word here in the Worship Center at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale. This, this passage of Scripture in Ruth, the second chapter, has a primary character, and his name is Boaz. And I'll just tell you up front, Boaz is a type of Christ. So when you see him, you should see Christ in his actions in what he represents and, and what he represents and what he does. So as you're following along in the text today, you'll notice that Boaz is mentioned uh, ten times, at least ten times, in the chapter. And he becomes the primary character. He is the kinsman redeemer. And we're introduced to this concept in this chapter, the concept of the kinsman redeemer. May I tell you that everyone here this morning has a kinsman redeemer. His name is Jesus. <laughs> he is our kinsman redeemer. So he acts, the Lord Jesus acts toward us the same way Boaz acts toward Ruth in this story. It is an actual historical story and it's meant to communicate to us spiritual truths, the ancient words, right? Ancient words, ever true, changing me, changing you. So the intent of the Word of God is to change us, not entertain us, but to change us, to give us a sense of this person with whom we have a relationship. And so this morning we are getting to know Jesus in the scriptures. He is the living word, is he not? So we want a relationship with the Lord Jesus, and to know him and to walk with him, we must be in the word. That's why I'm preaching the Bible today and not a Helen Steiner Rice card, right? As nice as they are, they are not living words. The Bible is the only book in the universe that is a living book wholly inspired by God designed to draw us into relationship with God and we can come to know God in a personal and more intimate way if we will listen to him speak to us through his word that having been said Maybe you'll follow along with me as I read from Ruth, chapter 2. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, 
his name was Boaz. There he is. You'll remember that Elimelech died, and so did his two sons, Malan and Chilia. So Naomi, Elimelech's wife, is left a widow and childless. How hard is that? Is there anything more difficult than your children dying before you? Is there anything more difficult? I, I don't know that there is. And Naomi, Limelech, her husband, took Naomi and the boys and went to Moab in order to escape a famine. While there, the two boys married Moabite women. All of this outside of God's will. Elimelech dies, the two sons die. Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Orpah decides she's going back to her people, the Moabites, and back to her gods. Ruth says, wherever you're going, I'm going. Because your God is my God, and your people are my people. And she shows this devoted love that really speaks of God's love for us. Devoted love. So now Ruth and Naomi have come back to Bethlehem because the famine is over. God is bringing about a great harvest in the land of Judah. Naomi and Ruth arrive after ten years of separation. They come back. I want to remind you, it doesn't matter how long you've been away from the Lord. You can come back. After ten years, they came back, and they came back at the time of harvest. But they come back empty. There's no way to provide for this family because all the breadwinners are gone. So now you have a widow and a Moabite daughter-in-law, and they are in a bad way. They're poor, extremely poor. You have to know that background to understand the text that we're reading this morning. So Ruth, verse 2, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said, to her, go, my daughter. So the daughter-in-law has enough physical strength to go out into the field. I mean, it takes some serious strength to go out and glean the fields. That is, to pick up what hasn't been harvested. It takes some serious, and she's out there all day long, just to get enough to sustain their lives. This is the plight of many people. People who are hurting and who need the Lord. All right, so I have a picture coming up. There it is. Of uh, the harvest. Now, obviously, this is not in biblical times, but it gives you an idea 
of the kind of harvest, and they would bundle these uh, the harvest in sheaves. And so you can see them stack them up, and that's exactly what they would do in the harvest. Now take a look at this next uh, picture here. This is an actual reenactment of Ruth gleaning. She, uh, she is the one who is second from the left. She's back there dressed in the black, and she's picking up behind those who are hired workers. The hired workers are, are harvesting. She goes behind them and picks up what they drop. It was part of the law, God's law, that God's people should not harvest the whole field. They were to leave the corners of the field, and they were to let drop what wasn't picked up in the first cutting. They were just to let it drop. For the sake of the poor, let me just tell you something. God has a heart for poor people. Amen. He loves them deeply. And he doesn't take kindly when we mistreat them. He doesn't like it a bit. And here's the reason. He says, because one day you were poor, and I rescued you, and I expect you to treat the poor with kindness. It is part of his law. It shows us his nature. You want to get to know God? Let me just tell you something. He loves poor people. And so we must love what he loves. Amen? That means we don't look down on them, we don't criticize them, and we don't judge them. Amen. Amen. All right, so if I'm going to get to know God, then I must know His heart. And the Scripture is very clear. He has a heart for the poor, for the disenfranchised, for the marginalized, for the people who are pushed aside and ignored, for the people who are oppressed. He has a heart for them. Can I tell you, he has a special heart for the widow. There are 95 references in the Bible, 95 references about God's heart for the widow. So many that I wrote a book about it. It's amazing. God says, do not mess with my widow, because if you do, I'm coming after you. You see, the problem is the poor and the widows and the orphans are the most vulnerable in society. They are the ones who are most likely to be taken advantage of. And God says, if you do that, I'm coming after you. He has a special relationship with the poor, with the widow, with the orphan, with the broken and the hurting. We learn that from the text. All right, now notice this. She says, please let me go to glean the fields. I think I have another picture. <laughs> All right, keep that one up there for a minute, and I'll mention it here in a second. All right. Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. Listen, the, the people who owned the fields didn't have to obey God. They could just say, hey, all you poor people, get out of my field. But a person who had a relationship with God would say, I want to obey God because I know his blessing is dependent upon my obedience. 
And so a person like Boaz, who owned a field, would say, I want the blessing of God on my harvest. I want the blessing of God on my life. Therefore, I will obey him and I will care for the poor. Now listen to what happens. She says, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. And she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. That was the first picture you saw. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. May I point out that this word happened indicates that the father was guiding her to the very field where he wanted her. Now, the scriptures indicate that God is guiding the steps of those who belong to him. That is, he is guiding you to the very place he wants you so he can bless you. It is his intention to be good to you, to be merciful to you, to be forgiving to you, to be gracious to you, to bless you. It is his intention. That is his heart and his desire. He wants you to experience his love and grace. And he will guide you to the very position where his love and grace can be manifested in your life. He's done that in Ruth and he'll do it in you. If you trust him. This is the God with whom we have a relationship. You want to know what he's like? He guides your thoughts and your steps if you belong to him. Now watch this. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Wait a minute. You're saying to me, God guided Ruth to the very part of this huge harvest where Boaz was going to be, and he brings Boaz to show up at just the right time so he can see Ruth. Do you mean to tell me that God actually brings into our lives the very people he wants us to meet? He does. This is the God we worship and serve if you want to get to know him. This is what he's like. He's telling us in his word, I'm guiding your thoughts and steps. I will bring you into the field of the person I want you to meet. Now, what if every single Christian said, I'm going to stop looking for my perfect mate and let God guide me to his field? Huh? Do you think God has a better idea of what you need than you do? Do you think that if you trusted him and said, God, you know better than I do what I really need. Don't let me pick out what I want. You pick out what you want for me. What if you did that? That's exactly what Ruth has done. And God is going to guide her into the field of the man he has chosen to marry her. Woohoo! That's called a love story. And what a great love story it is. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Oh, it does remind me that somebody else came from Bethlehem. Amen? Our Lord Jesus. Boaz
Boaz is a picture of Christ. Don't forget that. Now Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Here is a relationship. Now watch this. God has so gripped Boaz's heart that he is a godly employer who wants to bless his employees. God is so a part of the relationship that the employees recognize they have a godly employer and they want to bless their employee, uh, their employer. So that's kind of relationship you want, isn't it? You want to be in a relationship with God where you are blessing people, where you are a blessing to them, where everything you do becomes a blessing to the people you work for. It ought to be part of our prayer. God, please use me to bless others today. You see it in the life of Boaz. Oh, by the way, Boaz does represent Christ here. What is Christ saying to you this morning? I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I have a blessing just for you. He knows you, and he knows what you need. And he wants that relationship with you. This is the God we worship and serve. All right, so verse 5, the Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Now, please notice, number one, God guided Ruth to the field. Number two, God brought Boaz at just the time Ruth would be there. Number three, he causes Boaz's eyes to fall on Ruth. This is the God who is in control, friends. This is the God we learn about in Scripture. He is so much in control that He causes you to notice things that He wants to be a part of your life. He's the one who draws your attention. And if you're in a right relationship with this God of the universe, the one who created you, the one who redeemed you, if you're in a right relationship with Him, then you can see His fingerprints every place. You can see that He's guiding you. And yes, even the painful, difficult things are part of His plan for you. How many of you know that God can turn painful things into blessings? Amen? Amen. We are reading a story like that. Here's the story of a widow and her daughter-in-law who are in the most painful situation. They are destitute. And God's about to turn their whole situation around. Providentially, guiding them to the very place he wants them, the place of blessing. Oh, don't you want to be in the place of blessing? Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued, listen to the diligence of this woman. She has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. The house was a 
sort of a makeshift shelter that was created for the workers during the heat of the day. They'd come out of the heat, rest for a little bit, and then go right back to the harvest. Ruth has been there since the crack of dawn, and she'll work until nighttime. She's a diligent lady. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field. L listen to this guy. I want you in my field. Amen? I want you in my field. How many of you want to be in the Lord's field today? Amen? Amen. I want to be in his field. <laughs> I want you in my field. Do not go and glean another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women, my workers, my harvesters. Stay close by them. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Oh, please don't miss this. Boaz, who represents Christ, has said, Ruth is off limits. None of you young bucks better give her a problem. She is under my protection. How would you like the Father, the Creator of the universe, the God who's redeemed you, how would you like Him to say about you, she, he, they are off limits. They're under my protection. Would you like that? Let me just say this. You have it. You have his protection. Satan cannot touch your life without the permission of the God of the universe. You are his child. You are under his protection. You are under his provision. You're under his guidance. That's who you are. And this is the God we want to know and worship. And we're learning about him from his word. Verse 9, still, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you and when you were thirsty go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn not only are you under my protection you're under my provision so she fell on her face listen she recognizes what's going on she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said to him why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me I am a foreigner she knows the grace that is coming upon her. Listen, favor is given not because you deserve it, but because you need it. Amen. Ruth didn't deserve it. She is overwhelmed by the grace and the loving kindness of Boaz. She says, oh my goodness, why would you pay attention to somebody like me? I'm a foreigner. Friend, all of us have been foreigners to God. We were separated from Him by sin. We were alienated from the life of God. And He said, I love you. I'm drawing you into relationship with Myself. He brings us back by His favor. And today, you and I are under His favor. Boy, 
takes my breath away. And not just because I'm preaching, but it does. It just takes my breath away to know that God's favor is upon me, not because I deserve it, but because of who he is. He's a God of grace and favor. I love this passage. Verse 11, Boaz answered and said to her, she wants to know why. Why have I been favored by you? I'm a foreigner. Here's his answer. Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and you, listen, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, listen, under whose wings you have come for refuge. We're going to pause right there. Because this is a picture of our God. It's intended to communicate to us what He's like. If you have a relationship with God, you want to know what He's like. What is He like? What does He want? What does He do? How can I get to know Him better? Well, here's something revealed to us in Scripture about who He is. He's pictured as a mother bird who extends her wings protecting her young chicks in a storm so that hail or rain or wind will not disturb them. They find refuge under her wings. Oh, my friends, this is the God we serve. In times of trouble, you can find refuge under his wings. I want to share some scripture with you, and we're going to have to slip past these. Let me quickly make a comment here. In a few minutes, we're going to read about this meal that was taken with Boaz, and Ruth was invited to sit down and eat with the rest of the workers, and this is a reenactment of that. And here is Ruth sitting down with Boaz. Ruth is pictured here, Boaz. And they're sharing a meal. He's sharing a meal with her. Can I just share with you one day Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to share a meal with us. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. All right, next picture, please. And then we'll get to the text. I reminded you last week of the amazing grace of God here is Naomi and Elimelech, the start of this family relationship, and they have two sons, Malon and Chilion. And uh, Chilion marries Orpah, Malon marries Ruth. And so now we follow the line through Ruth. Malon and Chilion and Elimelech are dead, so now we have only Ruth and Naomi. Ruth marries Boaz. We're going to come to that. That's part of the story. Ruth marries Boaz, and they have a child named Obed, and Obed has a child named Jesse, and Jesse has a child named David. David, yes, the king of Israel. 
David, the forerunner of the Messiah. And so I remind you that God took this Moabite woman out of her idolatry and drew her to himself and put her under his protection and his provision and his blessing and made her the great grandmother of King David, the forerunner of the Messiah of Israel. That's amazing grace. That's all that is. Okay. Now let's look at the text about the wings of our great God and Savior. You ready? Here we go. These are scriptures that picture God as this mother bird extending her wings. Remember what Boaz said? Ruth, you have taken shelter under his wings. You have sought refuge under his wings. And may he reward you. And look at the text. I'm going to share them. Just follow along with me. Psalm 17.8 says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36.7, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Be merciful to me, O God, Psalm 57.1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Now listen. All of these verses are not just there in the Bible for your entertainment. They're supposed to be there to speak to our hearts about our relationship with this God of the universe. And they're telling us something about who He is. He is a God who really wants to offer you shelter in the storm. How many of you know there's a storm coming? There's a storm coming, friends, and you better find shelter under His wings. No matter what's going on in your life, there's a storm coming. Every one of us will experience a storm in our lives. We're going to experience those things, aren't we? It is part of life to have things taken from you. Things that you hold on to dearly and they're taken from you. And to have things crash and to have your hopes dashed and to have your dreams crushed and that's part of life. But when all those things start to fall apart and when life begins to unravel at the seams, you and I can find shelter in the shadow of His wings. He will extend His protection and care over you if you but run to Him. Our problem is we run to panic. We run to anger. We run to frustration. We run to control. We don't run to our God. How many of you need shelter this morning? Would you raise your hand? I do too. I do too. There's a passage of Scripture, and it's a great warning to all of us. It's the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew. Here they are. 
sorry, Luke. <laughs> it's also in Matthew, but it's in Luke. Today we're going to quote from the Luke passage. Luke 13.34 says this. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Do you think Jesus has this in mind? Of course he does. He's the God-man. He's saying, listen, I would have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. God doesn't force a relationship on you. You have to run to Him. You have to be willing to find shelter under His wings. And when you're in a jam, when you're in a crisis, when you're in a difficulty, you come to Him and you say, Father, I want to find shelter under Your wings. Help me to find refuge in You. Isn't He a great God to offer such shelter to us? The people of Israel just rejected Jesus. Wouldn't have anything to do with Him. He would have gathered them under His wings, but no. Continuing on, verse 13, she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come and eat. Dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and cast parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. She's keeping some back so she can take it home to Naomi. When she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her, and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Do you think Boaz knows that God has a heart for the poor? Of course he does. And why is he acting that way? Listen, the reason he's acting that way is because he believes God, and he takes him at his word, and God says, I will bless you if you care for the poor. Boaz knows that. And the problem in the modern church is this. We don't take God at His Word. We, we know what He says, but we don't take it for ourselves. Boaz did it. He acted upon what God said. And God blessed him for it. Here we go. Verse 17, she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, 30 to 40 pounds of barley, which is huge. It's an amazing amount to be gleaned. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought it out and gave it to her, which she kept back after she'd been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? Tell me about that. And where did you work? And blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. Remember, Naomi was bitter. 
When she came back from Moab, she said, God has afflicted me. God has been unkind to me. God caused my husband to die. God caused my children to die. She's angry and bitter, but God's brought her back to a place of blessing. And now look what she says. Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Naomi's coming back home, not just to Bethlehem, but to the Lord. Naomi said to her, the man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives, a kinsman redeemer. Under the scriptural law, a kinsman redeemer had to be related to the family. Boaz was. He had to be willing to redeem the family. He was. Redeem the family from what? From poverty and debt. When Naomi and Ruth got back, their property had been sold to cover their debts. They had nothing. They had no inheritance. They had no hope. They had nothing except a hope in the Lord. And God brought a kinsman redeemer who steps up to the plate and says, I will pay her debts and buy her land back and I will marry Ruth. So she has an inheritance. And guess what that inheritance was? The Messiah. Wow. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until you have finished all my harvest. Harvest was from April till about June. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest which would have been like the end of June, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. And so God has turned a desperate situation around and made it a great blessing. And there's some things that we learn from this important passage of Scripture, and I've been reminding you about them all the way through this message. First of all, what do we learn from the story of redemption? We learn that God is guiding our thoughts and steps and leading us back to the place of blessing. And I want everybody here to experience that. You've been away from the Lord. I've got great news. You can come back. You can come on home to the place of blessing. The second thing we learn is that God is attentive to the needs of the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the outcast, and the broken. We learn that that is his heart. And if we want to be in a right relationship with God, then we must also have a heart for those who are outcast, who are broken, who are the most vulnerable of our society. Thirdly, we learn that God is ready and eager to provide a place of shelter and refuge to all who will come to him. Under his wings we find refuge. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, I would have brought you under my wings. But you would not. We can find refuge in him if we will but turn to him in our brokenness. In the time of trial, 
Fourthly, we learn that God always has a plan to redeem our lives from the destruction of sin. Some of us have had a sin debt so high we could never pay it. You know, you could work all your life and never pay for one of your sins. Work all your life and never be able to redeem yourself. But there's a God who loves you, who's willing to pay for all your sins, to bring you out of the debt of sin and bring you into a relationship with himself. He loves you that much. God always has a plan to redeem our lives from the destruction of sin. We learn finally that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Pictured by Boaz, one who was willing to offer protection and provision, one who showed favor to one who didn't deserve it. So if you need God's favor, you need his protection and provision today, you're in a great place to receive it. Find shelter under his wings. Would you pray with me? As we pray together, maybe here and realize that, hey, I've been away from the Lord. I haven't been close to Him in many, many years. Here's part of the message for you. You can come on home. Come back to a right relationship with the Lord. He's ready and willing to offer you shelter under His wings. He's ready and willing to offer you protection and provision. And you can once again be under God's favor. But it requires that you leave your sinful ways and come to Him. You have to turn your back on sin and rebellion. And you have to turn your back on that and commit your life to the Lord. Just like Ruth did. She committed her life. She said to Naomi, where you're going, I'm going. And your God is my God. And your people are my people. That's a life commitment. And that's what God's asking from you today. So as we pray, if you need to make that commitment, I ask you to do it. I ask you to turn to the Lord. Find shelter under His wings. This God who loves you, who's so ready to forgive you, so ready to draw you back, so ready to offer you shelter under His wings. Why don't you come back as we pray? Dear Father, Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you for your favor. Undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor from you. Grace that is amazing. Thank you that you took us from that destitute place of being a 
sinner in bondage. And you brought us into the place of your favor. You brought us from our place of bankruptcy spiritually and gave us protection and provision and shelter and hope and strength and peace and forgiveness and mercy. Thank you for being our great God. I pray for those here this morning who feel separated from you, who feel so far away and only need to experience your tender mercies, your great love, and your forgiveness today. I pray, dear Father, that your Holy Spirit will make the truth of Scripture real in our hearts because of Jesus. And it's in his wonderful and powerful name that we pray. And you say, Amen.